1: I'm your co-host, JP John Paz, and with me, as always, is the star of the show, former WWF World Tag Team Champion, eight-time former Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, one of the greatest trainers in the history of the pro wrestling business,
2: the Doctor of Desire, Tom
1: Fritcher. Tom, how are you doing today?
2: John, it is a wonderful day, and I'm doing great. Uh, Beautiful day here in Knoxville, Tennessee.
1: Yes, yeah, so how has it been going so far? JPWA down there in Knoxville. Been here, you know. You hear so many things. We talk about it every week, whether it's Kofi or Seamus or The Rock or Kane himself. I mean, there's so many people talking about JPWA. What's been going on in the world of JPWA?
2: We've actually had some pretty good training going on. We did this repetition drill just uh, Tuesday night where. Uh, the guys do something 10 times in a row. It's a spot, and it, it, it forces you to slow down, forces you to get comfortable. And if you're not, uh, you're going to blow up. And uh, that's when you have to slow down. So uh, that, and we've been uh, cruising right along, talking to some people about uh, coming in in spring. So uh, everything is grand at the JPWA. Any uh,
1: surprises going on that we should be uh, looking out for? I mean, Kofi, that's a great one. Uh, Seamus,
2: I guess you guys got some more up your sleeves. Well, we do. We do. There's uh, So far, we're, we're at the beginning of February, and January was a, was a jam-packed month for uh, a couple outside interests we have going on right now and hope to uh, instill... As the year goes on, so uh, you never know who's going to stop by. WrestleMania last year, it was Beth Phoenix and Natalya, along with Edge and the Revival, showed up and were so great. Uh, Haley and or Haley, um, uh, Haley, Sasha. Thank you, thank you. Um, Bailey and Sasha stopped by along with Natalya last year or two. So uh, there have been a few people. Who, who've been talking and uh Seamus just lives down the road these days so uh we've been in touch uh, we were actually talking last Saturday and and said if there's anything uh, he can, can can do to come to Knoxville and help us out he'd be more than happy to so I will, I will always keep that in mind and you never know who's going to be in the neighborhood
1: Hey, you mentioned the revival, and we don't really talk too much about current things, but I did want to ask you this question, because it seems like the revival are on their way out. There's rumors that they've they been offered more money to stay, but they keep writing on Twitter and different things that WWE has kind of told them that tag team wrestling doesn't draw and this and that, and Vince doesn't like tag wrestling and things like that, and you obviously being a, a great tag team wrestler do you think tag team wrestling draws or do you think vince is crazy and saying it doesn't or you know what are you what are your thoughts you're
2: you on the side I, of the revival or, or i i, I think i think great tag team wrestling withdrawal and i think the revival is a great team and you let these guys go out and uh, work with another great team whether it's new day or whoever i <laughs> The problem, I think, is finding guys to team and, and, and can uh, work as well as a revival in tandem, kind of like the Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express. That would be great, but I every, I don't believe I've ever seen a bad match from those guys, and I think that uh, it, it's a matter of coming up with that magic and showing them uh, that you have these people in, in the tag match that people care about and communicate with, and I—you cannot, in my opinion—I can't. Let me say this: I can't watch a revival match without seeing something either new or crisp or smooth the way they go into it with the confidence and sureness that the Midnight expressed it, and that's who they remind me of quite a lot. Um, and if not necessarily or specifically Midnight, a, a team like the Rock and Roll Express, which uh, I think the Rock and Roll of Midnight are pretty much in a class by themselves, but I'm going to have to put the Revival in that same class because they're those kind of wrestlers. and there's those they're that kind of tag team. And I don't believe if you just put a tag team match on the card, that's going to draw. But I believe if you have someone you can actually tell a story with and and get people connected to and involved in, um, with and have great matches. I think yes, definitely that can draw. I, I, I'm never say never. You know, I mean, you, you never you ever will you have a women's match as a main event at WrestleMania. Oops. Guess what? You know what I mean. So you can't mm-hmm. say that you know, tag teams don't draw us. It's 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 they'll draw if if you have the right combination and and you got one half of it already. The revival can. I'm convinced they they can work with anybody.
1: You mentioned Midnight's being some of the best ever, the rock and roll. Where does the Heavenly Body set? Are they as good as the Midnight Express?
2: No, no, not as good. Not as good. Uh, we could do some stuff, but the Midnight and rock and roll, in my opinion, are in a class by themselves. The reason I say that, too, just just to, just to touch on that real quick, is you had Dennis Condry um, who was A pretty deadgum smart veteran. Bobby Eaton, who was a hell of a worker and uh, a star from day one, um, just needed to be groomed and just needed to to be on the playing field. And then you had Jim Cornette, who knew this business, loved this business, had passion for the business, and got along with, uh, got hooked up with Cornette, with uh, Bobby and Dennis, and went to Louisiana and popped. A uh, big man's territory with the Rock and Roll Express. That was a big man's territory in Louisiana with Bill Watts and Ernie Ladd, the junkyard dog, and killer Carl Cox. And I mean we're and, and all of a sudden these five guys come in from Tennessee and steal the show every single night. And they didn't just do it in Mid South, they did it in uh Charlotte, too. So, uh, if the Heavenly Bodies <laughs> could could do even a fraction of that, I would be uh, satisfied, but we didn't even touch it. We did West Virginia and, the, and a few places in Kentucky and Tennessee, and I'm proud of all that, but my gosh, when you're talking about the midnights and rock and roll, you're talking about something completely um, separate. More to come from Jim Cornette, I can guarantee that,
1: in the weeks to come, but moving along from that, last week we talked about the Heavenly Bodies in the WWF and how 1995 was kind of the end of that, and we teased it a little bit, we talked about it a little bit, and you kind of said you didn't like it, but I'll say this, the Body Donnas and the WWF former tag team champions of Body Donnas that was your next move as the Heavenly Bodies made their last appearance in basically June or so uh, of 95, but you stay on and you're still wrestling there, and obviously you know, we, we said maybe the the terrible idea, terrible gimmick. But let's talk again. How did that all happen? Jiggle Jimmy Del Rey is gone. You're still there. They offer you this. How does that happen?
2: Uh, well, again, there were things happening um, with the Heavenly Bodies in Smoky Mountain, and all of a sudden, Smoky Mountain was shutting down. So uh, it was... Jimmy had... Uh, decided to do something else. And I was sitting at home and, uh, I, I got a call asking if I'd like to cut my hair and diet blonde and be Chris's partner. And I said, absolutely not. And they hung up on me. So I called back and said, well, okay, uh, I guess I could do that. It's just hair. And I did, but, um, at that time, you know, talking about tag team wrestling. No, tag team wrestling was not at an all-time high at that time. Let's let's be completely honest here. Uh, you had Al Snow and Marty Jannetty as the new Rockers. You had the Godwins. You had um, Skip and Zip, and who were the other dynamic tag teams around there at that time? You know, it was just it, Guns. Yep. Okay. So I mean, but but it wasn't. It did. certainly, yeah, it certainly didn't have the the talent to be featured in, and we knew that. I mean, I, I look, I was when I got to WWE, I was thirty three, and I, I had, had some injuries too. And I'm looking at this field, and I'm I'm catching the vibe of what's what's happening at this time, and it's like. Um, man, uh, you know, for, for everybody else, and you'll say, boy, you guys were a good team. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> Let's really look at that. We, I don't know that, that that Chris's heart was in it completely either. I mean, he still had passion for the business when he would go out and work. But, you know, what I'm talking about is necessarily just the traveling and day-to-day. At at the arena, that's when you go in the ring. Uh, I think that was where we all went to forget everything else and, and kind of live for those 12 or 15 minutes that we got, uh, in the ring. So that part was, was okay. I was still working with uh, like, like, uh, Henry Godwin, Phineas Godwin, good friends of mine. and I enjoyed working with them and, um, I liked Al and I liked Marty and I liked everybody we worked with, but then you had to go back and you know get dressed and go to the next town and have to deal with whoever you had to deal with I drove by myself a lot of times because I I just uh, didn't want to be around um, the environment I would be forced to be around if I rode with anybody else so that was why it wasn't it was a a horrible time as far as my career and my uh, way of thinking was I think I believe and I know, uh, and I wish I could give you some stories, but uh, there's nothing I really think I could tell or say that would um, have any upside to it, uh, because I don't want to sound like it was a whiny, miserable uh, crying all the time. No, it, it, it wasn't. It was miserable in the sense that there was drama going on and I don't want to have to, I don't want to rehash all that because it's just it almost makes me sick even saying the words and saying the names so I mean that that was that was pretty much the body Donna thing uh, the good thing that actually came out of that was it 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 gave me an opportunity if I wouldn't have done that I wouldn't have been up there I wouldn't have had an opportunity to uh begin training people so uh, if, if I'm going to look at the, the silver lining in the cloud, that's what I'd have to look at. And I think the farther you get along in any career, you look back and see what you did and and do you have any regrets or things like that. And if you ask me if I have any regrets, I would say, of course, I certainly do. <laughs> and not speaking up against having Cloudy as our manager is one of them. Hmm. So,
0: yeah, but exactly.
1: so, Definitely want to mention him, but let, I'll, I'll bring that back up later. I was going to say, really, though, what about Skip, Chris Candido, as a wrestler, as a performer, him in that era? Do you think he was as good as maybe I would think
2: he is? Like, what were your thoughts on him? I, I think Chris is more than likely better than you thought he was. I worked with him in, at the ECW arena uh, after after the gimmick all broke up, and he was still there. Or I think he might have, I don't know if he's still there or not. He might have been working for Paul. But but um, here's here's what I remember uh, about Chris. And I knew him since he was a kid in Smoky Mountain. And he had passion. He loved this business. He lived for this business. And I, I really respected and appreciated that from him. Um, but we, we had this deal uh, where I was, working going to work with him in ECW at the arena. I flew in from, I guess, Stanford, and he and Bubba Dudley picked me up from the airport. Uh, as we're driving to the arena, Paul calls Chris, and he's talking and talking. And he says, yeah, uh-huh, okay, okay, and hangs up. And he looks at me and says, uh, Paul wants me to go over I said, "Well, no shit. I mean, there wasn't any question." But we talked about it. I said, "What's your finish?" And he said, the, "The power bomb off the top rope." I went, "Okay. How's the ring? This is a really good bumping ring." So we got to the arena, and have you had the opportunity to go to an ECW show back then? hmm Yep. So you got it. So you've been to the arena? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That. That was a great vibe. That was a great environment. That was uh, great energy from the crowd, and it translated and communicated to the boys in the back, the dressing room. When I walked in there, it was it was like being at home. It really, really was because it had that outlaw, um, blood and guts, Wild West feel to it, and everybody was – so passionate, and so cool, and you knew you were there for the love of the business. Paul Paul was there for the love of the business, make money along the way just an added bonus, but he was there because he couldn't be anywhere else. The guys who were there because they didn't want to be anywhere else. Maybe they did, but at the same time their soul was telling them different because you knew they belonged right there at the arena and they couldn't be contained but that was such a great vibe and i knew how strong the fan base was there so going to the town when we get there chris and i we talked about a couple things but we never really called stuff in the back and we went out and we just had our match and i was i was uh not worried but i guess concerned how they would take this match because fans on the east coast pretty much tell you how they feel (laughs) <laughs> they will tell you if they don't want you there, they'll let you know. I mean, for oh, real, yeah. they'll tell you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, they will eat you alive, and they ate us alive. So I thought ECW, well, okay. But we went out and had, a, I thought, a pretty damn good match, and took the powerbomb and uh, you could feel the heat from the crowd. You could feel the energy, and that was such a cool vibe, and Chris felt that. And that's why Chris was there. Chris was in the ring because he loved being in the ring. Chris was was doing this because he, he didn't want to do anything else. There's nothing he was made to do. He was made for this. So um, I, I think – while you you I don't if you did you if you never met him let me say this if you never met him you don't understand how passionate and good he really was. Um and I say that because his his grandpa was Chuck Richards. Have you ever heard of Chuck Richards? No, actually. Old guy old enhancement guy for W W F. So he had that connection there. He ran a show when he was 16 years old in New Jersey with Bam Bam Bigelow, and and he's done all this stuff because he's just
0: that guy.
2: And uh, he he everything was wrestling, everything was wrestling, and uh, yeah, his passion his passion was pretty pretty much unmatched back then, I think. So. He, he really, but, but I, I enjoyed Chris and and the yang to that yin would be Tammy. And, uh, that was the, the, the thing that, you know, the added element or added, whatever you want to call it, uh, to this package that, 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 uh, added to Chris's life and, um, the way he lived it. So. But he was great. No, he was greater probably than you 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 could even think he was. What about the chemistry with him? You think
1: it was there as a tag team partner?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a tag team partner, Chris and I. But it, but it wasn't. A, necessarily, a tag team. That was a three-person unit, and and you had to make sure. It there, there was a whole different dynamic there. I wish it wasn't, but it was. And uh, so, but yeah, no, we had, and we had chemistry backstage. We had chemistry from the first day I met him, and because he 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 got that I would I, uh, I would talk in my rhymes and riddles, and and just just because I was having fun too. You know, when you're when you're out there, it, it's so much easier for me. You know, if I if I can tell you a story along the way to get my point across that I need bread, you know, mm-hmm. so and, and he got that he understood that that that, and that's how the boys pretty much when they got together did it anyway. I don't know. If, I'm sure they still do it. Some some still do it like that, but but so he clicked with it. Yes, uh, from the first time I met him, and and that's that's how I knew. That's how I knew he he had the passion. Well, what
1: about Sonny, what about Tammy? What, like, what were your thoughts on her?
2: Well, Tammy had been a young girl who'd gone to the matches before, and she'd seen—that's where she met Chris at the at the matches, and and uh, so she 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 enjoyed going. And then all of a sudden, she came to Smoky Mountain with Chris, and she's 18 years old. I mean, she knew she was cute, and everybody was telling her how cute and beautiful she was, and uh, Jim saw an opportunity to, to use her. And, 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 and I mean, why not? (laughs) Why not? I agree. And she got a taste of it. And, uh, uh, you know, when you eat cotton candy and it tastes really sweet and it's never going to end. And then all of a sudden you eat too much and you get sick. That's kinda of how it was. I mean she was just so pretty and beautiful and cute and oh, love her, love her, love her and then she's that real the the real side of her came out and um I don't uh I, I think that I think it just was uh a young girl who who uh, got a taste of being put on TV and told your The number one downloaded celebrity in AOL history, and they've only been in business for, I don't know, two months. I mean, no longer than that. But, you know, I mean, I think it all kind of saturated her um, psyche, and she really believed that there was no one more beautiful, gorgeous, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the most beautiful, prettiest, gorgeous, cutest, bestest ever, bestest in the world. Well, you are. Of course you are. You know, so I think it was a case of that, of of believing that, um, uh, you know, youth will never fade and I'll always be beautiful and people will always love me until you realize that there's more to it than that. And maybe she maybe she has, I don't know. But at that time, she was living life the way she wanted to live it, and rightfully so. But she, she just, and I've, I've said this before, and, and she sent me a text, or somebody sent me a text saying that I was talking behind her back about being nasty. Well, no, it's not the case. But I, I think if you really look inside, or you don't have to look too far inside, but to look at the situation and look what uh, took place, uh, there were less than honorable moments for, for Tammy, to say the least yeah you always hear that she wasn't really
1: not that I would know anything really you know inside information but you always hear stories that she wasn't very good to him relationship wise you know what i mean like she uh, she wasn't
2: she wasn't very good to him as a as a person wise no she wasn't and she wasn't very good to a lot of people person wise um again it was pretty much she put that crown on and she never took it off and that's 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 okay you have to have a performer's ego and you have to to be Sure yourself, and being filled with confidence is great. But she um, um, was allowed to take it as far as she could, and she did. And uh, instead of instead of hitting the brakes or even making a U turn, she went full bore right into the mountain. And
0: my gosh,
2: um, I, I, that happens. It happened to her, I guess. So not that people can't change, and not that I don't wish anything ill (laughs) towards her, but I just know that there were times when she wasn't very nice to Chris, wasn't very nice to a lot of people, not only backstage, but at signings and things like that. So, um, but that was, again, that was a different culture. That was a different time. That was a different place, certainly, in WWE. Uh, because she was kind of, it was Miss Elizabeth, and uh, then I think the next uh, Miss Elizabeth type, you know, you had Sherry, you had Medusa, but then I think Tammy came after that, right? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's, so she was the Miss Elizabeth uh, uh, vein or whatever, and uh, she she's now being treated like a star. I mean, she was she was being treated like a star she liked it no doubt but then she started believing that well yeah i'm a star you're nothing you know mm-hmm. so yeah and she let chris know it
1: do you think she got quote-unquote it as far as the wrestling business and the psychology and what to do in the spots and when to come in and when to not <laughs>
2: Well, as far as the psychology of the wrestling business backstage, she definitely got it. But in the ring, um, she she knew enough to get by. I don't think she was going to be a general anytime soon. Maybe maybe later on she was. But I didn't see her later on, but they, she didn't have to do a whole lot. They just. Uh, uh, remembered what they were going to do in the back, you know, memorized it, so uh I don't know, I'm honest to goodness she she, she knew enough to get by and but as I've said more on more than one occasion what what happens in the rings really um a small part of what the business really is about, yeah,
1: definitely, yeah. and obviously, I mean, there's so many stories I don't want to get too much into it but there's so many stories of her kind of uh scene being flirty and you know the Shawn Michaels stories and the Bret Hart stories and all that other stuff. So there is so much stuff out there where she's not really being that great to Chris, who is still there at the time that all this is going on. He he's not that he kind of looks like an idiot, but he kind of looks like, you know bad yeah. in, in certain situations. She made him look Well bad. It it
2: it did. It wasn't again he he didn't Chris didn't want to be Black ball. He didn't want to cause trouble. He didn't want to gossip. He didn't want to play games. He just wanted to wrestle. I mean, he, he just wanted to get in the ring and, and wrestle. So if he only had himself to worry about, he, he would have gone, there would, there would be no limits on what he could have done. But when you have all these other, issues going on at the same time you can't even enjoy um what you came to enjoy because it's such an overwhelming wave that takes over from the minute you wake up until the minute you go to sleep there's no peace it's just raging yelling (laughs) put down dumbass idiot moron Uh, yeah it was it was um, now I don't want to go too far into that, but it was kind of uh, disturbing at times, actually. So, yeah, all those stories, um, a lot of them I've seen. Not all of it, but a lot of them I have seen. So that's, that's the sad part about the whole thing. If it, she just would have been nice and kind of but, – but, again, being young and given that much uh, attention – is a, a dangerous recipe, I think, and it's it's proved to be true. And um, we all make our bets. We all make our own decisions. Nobody forced us. But uh, and and some of us get in toxic relationships and in situations that we find it hard to, to to get out of. And I think that's the situation Chris was in. He didn't know how to get out of it. Didn't didn't know that he really wanted to get out of it. Sometimes just having somebody there is comforting to people. I don't know, but I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like this horrible. Uh, you know, haunted house, bad last house on bad street type thing. But it, but it was. There were times when it was kind of a, a, a uncomfortable thing to watch and listen to. That's how I'll say as, it.
1: As far as Skip and Zip. When you and Chris get together, do you ever say to yourself, "Is this a rib? Are they, you know, are they messing with us?" Like, does that ever come up?
2: Uh yeah, but and and forget exactly how I said it, but it was it was like not only a rib, but it was almost like to say, uh, "Here's your place if you want it. If you don't, well, see you. And, and it was kind of like. Um, I should have spoke up. I should have said something, and I didn't. So uh, they it, it was painfully obvious to me uh, what was going to happen. So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm I i am i do not remember the exact verbiage right now, but I do recall bringing that up. Like, and I, I don't know. So this has got to be a rib, or this is this is just showing me that. If you, this is just showing me whatever it was supposed to show me. I know I was, I was supposed to have seen something and uh, I wasn't sure exactly what I was looking at uh, at the time, but taking a couple of years and steps back. Yeah. It seems more and more, not just like a rib, but a uh, here, here's your place. <laughs> if you like it, great. If not, give the key to this guy. so, do you ever look at
1: it like a dusty polka dot kind of thing? It's like, all right, do you want to no. do
2: that? No, nothing like that. No, 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 because Dusty made it work. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 Dream, 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 New, Dream, New to but Dream was a pro. Dream, Dream was a legend. Dream, Dream was knew everything, uh, whether it was or wasn't, whether it was said or not. Uh, dream. Whatever dreams perception of it was is all that matters because he took it and he said, if this is what you're going to do, I'm going to show you what I can do. And that's the attitude we should have took. But I didn't. I didn't take it with uh, the heavenly bodies when we were doing our stuff, too. I just you can't just be happy to be there. And and so uh, same thing with this. Um, you know, was it like giving Dream uh, the polka dots? Well, yeah, once again, it's, it goes back to like being in the midnight in rock and roll camp. The Dream is in a, in a category all by himself, too. And they gave it to him to see if he could. But they knew he I don't know how they couldn't know. And, and people up and down will tell me, no, it wasn't a rib. Maybe it wasn't a rib. But if Dream perceived it as, and I don't even know if he ever did because he never mentioned that to me. But, but there, there were times that, um, due to my own doing, uh, I, I felt things might've been directed at me and it could have just my, been my line of thinking at the time, which, uh, was wrong. I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. I can always suppose and I can always, uh, allege, but that doesn't get me anywhere either. So. So who was the booking committee, or who
1: was in charge of the booking? Was it Bruce at this point? Was he the head writer? Well, I don't know if they had head
2: writers, but it was Vince, Pat, and Bruce. I know that. And um, I never discussed it with Bruce. I never – once again, having someone, especially a family brother – family brother, family member uh, in a spot like that is pretty touchy anyway. And, and it's one of those things that – um, damned if you do, damned if you don't. And if 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 I would have had more drive, then maybe things would have changed. But at the same time, you don't. We don't know. We we can't look at it like that. But but it was Bruce Patton, Vince, and obviously uh, they saw what they saw, and we didn't do anything to change their minds, or didn't try to change their minds, or sway anybody's. Uh, opinion and (laughs) figured we'll just work in the ring. They'll see it. And that's it. And I don't know if you've heard this or not, but what we do in the ring is just a minuscule part of what this business is about. Uh, So, you know, it it, it was certainly up to us to be proactive if we felt to be proactive, but, um. It was a different culture. It really was. It was a different environment. It was, it was a different lay of the land, uh, and and it was a, uh, There was it, it was you were walking through the jungle every day with a new disease or a new animal waiting to jump out from behind the the trees or whatever. I mean, I don't know. It was it was certainly different than it is today, and some good and some bad, by the way, right. And you could say, like, okay, you know, maybe that
1: gimmick isn't a great gimmick, but it was kind of in line with the uh, new generation era at that point in WWF. Like the smoking guns, the God was the body honest. It all fit that you know pre Attitude era at WWF, right?
2: Oh, you mean the era before before the attitude hit and drew all the money? Well, yeah, yeah. we well, yeah we set the table, and draw the lowest houses. Sure. No, I mean it was terrible. I mean it was the houses were weren't so good. They really weren't, and and it was a precursor to to the attitude era, right where everybody hit big. Sure, it was. So yeah, and I understand that. So that's why I I look back on a lot of things and i I do regret some things I regret a lot of things, but um, I can't change it, and I have to just move forward and i I've got to look back on it with as much honesty and clarity as I can do i, I do I want to be completely honest and say, "Oh my God, did I really do that did i, I didn't didn't yeah, I didn't fulfill my part of the bargain so uh That's why trying to remember it and go back and think about it, um, at the time, I I knew it wasn't permanent, and I was trying to figure out how it was going to end, because this couldn't end good, and I'm speaking of Chris and myself, just because of all the stuff that was going on, and uh trying trying to figure out where the pieces were going to fall after this happened <laughs> this blow up or or just melt down whatever it is it's going to happen because it's going to happen and it did uh, it, <laughs> that that's kind of where I went hmm. and and looking back now, I just went well. That's the way it was supposed to happen because that was uh, part of the path that got me here. So, so the first big match, Skip and
1: Zip have really Royal Rumble '96, losing to Billy and Bark Gun for the tag titles, but pretty good match for the most part. You know, nothing really to say bad. <laughs> I mean, well, I wouldn't
0: say. It was well, yeah, match, for
2: a couple pretty... of boys, short guys against the two tall cowboys with the little girl inside or, outside, everybody's looking at. Well, for the most part, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah.
1: No, oh, I, I like that match. It's actually pretty good, but I don't think people realize how big Billy and Bart are. I mean, they're huge. I mean, Billy yes. Gunn is what six five, six six, something like that. I mean, six huge, six, man, yeah. yeah, he's a big guy. But uh, I once asked him, I said, you know, how can they never built up that you were like so big and so tall? He said because he would bump like a smaller guy and stuff, and they, you know, they had the other land of the giants there and other guys there, so they never really built him up as being big. But I mean, he's a monstrous right. guy, and, and Bart Gunn is no small guy either. So I think nope. everyone would look small compared to
2: them. Yeah, yeah, and we did. And, and and we'd bump for him too. Um, so I I I like working with the guns. You know, we broke Billy's neck, right? Did you, you heard about yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, we broke yeah, I came down right on his neck. Didn't didn't think it was hard at all. And bothered him for a couple of days. days, went and checked it out and he had a broken neck. I thought, My God, man, I hope that wasn't good. So but yeah, I mean that was that was what was going on during that era with with um <laughs> with that crew so uh but but i really uh, yeah I, I i tried to do my best to um i don't about this i tried to do my best to do my best while i was there uh, i was i i wasn't always good at uh ignoring things but you know i tried so but, but some of those guys you're right like billy and, and bart were were tall young ambitious and and Billy was even back then he he was adamant about what he wanted to do and and it was good to good to see that fire he, he always had fire so any heat when you injured him and hurt his neck um not that he not that he gave me, or not from anybody else. No, uh, I mean, I, obviously it wasn't on purpose. It was just one of those freak things. Because I, honest to God, I must have hit him just right, because I, I, I don't think I, I well, maybe it hit him that hard, but I thought I hit him pretty light. But he, but he's a tough guy. He went a couple days with it, and I felt like shit afterwards because <laughs> you don't want to hurt anybody, but especially somebody you're working with and been working with uh, a program.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. So eventually they'll have a tag team tournament because the the injury, I mean, they were the champs. They have to kind of give up the title. So they have a a tag team title tournament and WrestleMania 12 free-for-all match. So that's kind of like... All right, I guess the Iron Man match, Brett versus Sean, is going to go an hour, so you can't have every match on the main card. You have to have a shorter main card, so they put an important tag team title match on the free-for-all, on the pre-show, and you guys went, you beat the Godwins in the finals and win the tag titles. Is it the same that it's not on WrestleMania and it's on the pre-show?
2: <laughs> no. Yeah. It's it's it, grateful to be there. Thank you very much. May i have another, but, you know, yeah, it's not WrestleMania. It was on the pre-show. We were on the WrestleMania uh we were on the card of the WrestleMania card, if that makes any sense. But, yeah, I, um, again, that should have been us going and saying something to it, if we felt that strongly about it. Uh, were there diversions and distractions? Certainly. And we, we discussed some of them. Uh, and, and there was a couple times when I felt like, well, what do I say? And how, what is my argument? And I didn't want to. Uh, at that time, this is the way I felt then. I don't feel that this way now. But I didn't want to come across as um, a pain in the ass. But I think if you don't become a pain in the ass, or at least speak up for yourself, then you're gonna never get what you want, and you have to do that. But yeah, it was it was it was bittersweet, no doubt. And that's what I'm saying. It wasn't, it wasn't like we were we, – we weren't the revival. We weren't the guys who, who can go out and tear the house down today. We could have good matches at that time. I'm going to say this, and I don't want to – I hate to keep beating a dead horse, but at the same time, uh, when you ask, is it the same as WrestleMania being on the pre-show, anybody who's been there there is say no, it's not. You want to be on WrestleMania. I mean I did. So So
1: you never said anything like, Hey, you know, it's a tag team title match for a tag team tournament, the titles were vacant, this is the finals, you know, maybe this should be on the WrestleMania card. Maybe another either another match can be shortened or something could happen where we make it to the main card, somebody else goes a free pro. Nothing was ever said.
2: So let me get this straight. Uh we have <laughs> Sonny as our manager. Okay. Uh what was that main event of WrestleMania Twelve again? Let's see, the Iron Man match with Sean yeah. versus Oh let's see. Hart. Yeah. Mm. Well I'm just saying, let's go down the card here. Okay. If I have to explain or go any deeper, I can't right now. You know? But yes. but but seriously, yes. it's it's to go and say anything um at that time with the situation being what it is, not just with Chris and Tammy, but, but, um, yeah, it, it, yeah. Could could we have said something? Of course we could. Would have anything been done? I doubt it very seriously. Again, look at look at the players. Check your scorecard.
1: Makes sense to me I, uh, but it's it, it, you know just to me like tag team titles maybe you put it on the main card it is and it's obviously one way or another the title is vacant it's going to be a title change so it's
2: important in the have, eyes of the fans have you have you ever heard or uh, just on a on a side road here real quick did you hear the rumors about hunter saying something about cm punk having a big ass doesn't look like a world champion yes have, have you just read skinny, that skinny fat yep. yep yeah 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 okay well do you really think that was said? I don't know, I wasn't there but but I would say possibly chances are <laughs> it doesn't sound out of the realm of possibilities, does it right So if something that petty or something that ridiculous um, yeah I, I'm just saying, could we have said something? Could we have done that? Would it have mattered? Well, let's look at the whole map again. Your main event, ladies and gentlemen, the Iron Man match for Shawn Michaels living the boyhood dream. Realizing. Capturing the boyhood dream. Uh, yeah. We'll put your match on appreciate. Sure. show mm.
1: And kind of going on a different road, so I don't want to go on anything uh, crazy. Yeah, we don't. Please. Uh, are you more of a Shawn guy or more of a Brett guy, wrestling-wise?
2: Both great performers. Both great performers. Both have different ways of looking at things. But let me say, you have your way, I have my way, but the right way and the only way does not exist. I see benefits to both personalities. I see benefits to both people. I do. Um. So, yeah. Uh, I, the bad part when you say, I'm this guy, I'm for this guy, I'm for that guy, Again, it's it's like with this culture, not just today, but the culture of any business um, changes. And just because you voted Democrat last year doesn't mean you're going to vote, or, or four years ago, doesn't mean you're going to vote Democrat this year. Uh, but so why would you why would you say uh one thing and then change your mind when they have you on on tape so I would just say I see both both as uh tremendous performers and because their their emotions and because of their attitude and their uh personalities, it became more real and it became tension filled and it became undeniably um, uh, something intangible, but at the same time, you couldn't wait for that unpredictability, whether it was a promo or in the match, to happen. Uh, so, I mean, I, yeah, I was, I was pretty much a loner, uh, but at the same time, I I know who I would probably rather have a drink with and sit and talk to, but I won't say. Well,
1: when uh, I was in 96, so me and my friends were teenagers, and there was definitely a divide. There was definitely that Republican-Democratic divide. If you were Sean Michael's fan, you could pretty much hit the bricks with us. You had to be a Bret Hart guy with us. We We were Bret Hart guys. So there was definitely it was weird as a fan of that era. It's funny and being that age, of course, it meant you know more to us, obviously. But it was like, oh, if you're a Shawn Michaels fan, what? Why are you a Shawn Michaels? You got to be a Bret Hart fan. So there was definitely a divide. But you see a divide for real with those guys as well. I mean, that 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 feud did seem real, and apparently a lot of it was real, which is pretty insane when you look back. Yeah, at
2: yeah, it. yeah. But but that's what. Uh, what made it so great well a lot of people don't understand that that there's more real things happening than people want to know or believe um it's it's been all throughout the business where there have been personal rivalries over the craziest thing and nobody would believe it back then and then when you get in the business and you start Meeting and, and hearing all these uh, <laughs> all these stories and folklore and and mythological uh, stuff that changes year to year or every decade. I mean, um, that that's when you know uh, things were going on for real with these guys, and they felt it, and they were out to to show the other that they, they're going to go out and blow them roof off the building, man. I mean, they're going to have the best match and they're going to show you who deserves this spot, you son of a bitch. And uh, it was a, uh, it was a complex relationship at best. (laughs) And uh, there were raw emotions every single time there was interaction. So... um. But but an emotion. You know, are you a Bret Hart guy or are you a Shawn Michaels guy? I get it. I certainly understand it. Uh, but who who do you think would be the guy to say, "Sure, sit down, let's talk." You know, hey, Brett, I really appreciate it. Would uh, you sign this? Sure, okay. Or hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah, great. Okay. And 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 back then, I think Shawn was perfect at being a heel and blowing people off and, and living his gimmick. So you know, Brett, Brett believed in Brett and that's why he's Brett. And Sean believed in Sean. <laughs> and of course that's why he's Sean. He is Mr. WrestleMania and you can't tell him or any of his fans any different. You know, Brett is the best or there, there is the best or was the best or ever will be. You can't convince anybody who's a Bret Hart fan and Brett himself. that that's, that's not true. So you have all this rich history on on both sides of the fence. I mean, Sean's had these fantastic matches, so has Brett. Brett comes from this fantastic wrestling family. Well, Sean comes from Texas, and and he's wrestled around, too, and he's made his name the way he's made his name, and he's not backing down from anybody. So it um, it was known, I guess... Uh, that they didn't like each other.
0: No figures.
1: Yeah, great. I mean, now looking back, obviously both just great, uh, tremendous wrestlers. But getting on back on track to the Body Donnas, so you tag champs for a few months, end up losing the titles back to the Godwins. Well, not back to, but to the Godwins at a house show in May. At MSG, it seemed like MSG, and even still today, because uh, they'll change the U.S. title at MSG a few times, it just seems like MSG, house show, they always try to do something special. And you guys lose the tag titles. It, it, is that something you're like, oh, losing on a house show? Or is it like, okay, we lost at MSG. It, it meant something to the fans. Or or maybe
2: it might totally wrong. It didn't mean anything. Well, wait a minute. I, I think any time you, you had a match at the Garden, um, it was the garden. You, you, you can't change the fact that it was the garden. So yeah, I, I, I kind of thought that was cool losing the titles at the garden that night. Chris broke his neck mm. actually. Yeah. And he was, I, I remember, uh, going back and he's sitting in the hallway of the rooms up against the wall. And, uh, yeah, we came back, and and that's when he sat down on the wall, and he said he hurt his neck. I asked him if he's okay. Tammy was going to take him to the hospital. I was riding with uh, Bradshaw and Dutch that night, so Tammy took him to the hospital. Next day, I saw him, and he told me he broke his neck. Or, but he just had a neck collar on. He wasn't going to be admitted. He had like a hairline fracture. And, uh, then I, he stood on the apron with the neck brace on for a couple matches. And then they took him off, I said, no, found out he had a broken neck. It's like, my gosh, no, I think it was that night. And then Sunday night. And then the agent said, no, wait a minute. What? No. And that's when he had to sit home. And I teamed with a couple guys to finish out some, uh, uh, stuff against the bruise brothers, um, and oh God, man. That then I went home, I think. That's what it was. Or maybe the Bruce Brothers are gone by then. I'm I'm getting all mixed up here. But but I know it was during that time that uh I was offered the deal to uh train, so yeah. After Chris broke his neck, that was pretty much it for the body donus. I think he he might have come back one or two times after that. I'm not sure. Well, I believe leading
1: up to – he was still there all the way leading up to SummerSlam. So I'm trying to figure out when – I know – It might have been August when he broke his neck because then you kind of go off on your own for a little bit. But he does wrestle in September of 96, but then it's basically zip and then zip is gone. Right. Uh, So obviously, you know, that definitely didn't help the cause. Was the broken neck and him being gone? There was no thoughts of, okay, when he comes back, we're going to reform the team. They didn't even care at that point. That was just like, okay, zip and skip are
2: over, zip is gone too. (laughs) yeah i i think that was pretty much it there there were no long-range plans and uh it, it yeah it, it never was discussed presented to me in any way and i was kind of happy about that too i i wasn't again <laughs> I, I don't know if you heard or not but i wasn't real thrilled with being in the team, but yeah, yes. but uh, you know, so no, and I understood that. Uh, I was trying to figure out the next uh, next move anyway. So, um, yeah, the the chips fell where they did, and uh, when it came came time to pick them up, you know, Chris had figured out. Uh, I think his contract was up, but I think he'd have figured out too that. His best bet was, you know, going back to ECW or doing some independence.
1: Obviously, the the team, let's say the last big match was at SummerSlam 96. Smoking Guns beat the Body Donners, the Godwins, and the New Rockers. It was a tag team title match. It seemed like those four teams were like the, the go-to. At, at they time, were the too,
2: only. It. They 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 were the only two. <laughs> I think that was it. I really do. Uh, it, it could have been. You talking about the Godwins and the Smoking Guns, or or, or all of them. I mean, this, and and, it, and, the, and the Rockers too, and you guys. So it's like yes,
1: that that seemed like the the four teams that kind of went round and round and round.
2: because I'm saying, I, I I think we were the only uh, real tag teams at that time around there. Just four of us, and and it was like. Yeah. I mean that that's what it was. And and um and then things started started happening once Austin and Road Dogg and Jeff and everybody get there, it was uh yeah, that was the next crew to come in. Well technically
1: I guess the last tag match you guys had, I might be wrong on this, but it looked like September of ninety six against Owen and the Bulldog, which is a great, great team. But they didn't yeah. wrestle you guys too many times, so that might have been the only time you guys wrestled them which i guess you know heel versus heel was a little bit different then than it is now but did you think that that was a great team owen and the Bulldog?
2: oh my god yes yeah owen and Bulldog were great they uh davy i you know i i like davy a lot when i first met him he was that, that that guy that you knew you had to keep your eye on and and owen owen was more of a uh, um get-to-know-you guy and real get-you-comfortable kind of guy. And Davey, you always, just from day one, uh, <laughs> you had to keep your eye on But I thought they were a great team. And, of course, they'd known each other since they broke in, too. So, yeah, they had chemistry. And I believe that night that we worked with them, uh, was that the night the ECW guy showed up on the front row? I think it was.
1: September of 96.
2: I, I know that's when it was –
1: Huh, it might have been. I'm trying to remember. I mean, it might where have that's... been uh, yeah. No, because might that have... would no, 'cause that that's
2: in Hershey Park and they came and it was in New York City. Okay, so it was against Luger and Davy that we did it then. when they came in, right? Because it was Taz or Raven or somebody. One of those matches was Davy and, and Lex or was Davy and Owen. Not sure. Yeah, I'll try to figure that out. I know that well, was in that was in
1: Hershey and I I'm not sure if they if they came in Hershey or not.
2: That's okay. I'll let I'll let you do the research from now on. Yes, before yeah. I say before I say anything, <laughs> my bad. Okay.
1: <laughs> no problem. But they do uh, do end up invading RAW, which uh, which was quite interesting, teaming up with uh, ECW at that point, just because obviously WCW was kind of taking over, so it seemed like um,
2: ECW invading.
1: Uh, was shocking i guess at, at
2: that point right right well it was shocking for the people who didn't know they'd been working together for a while and, and right. that's yes, a good thing back. too you know yeah that that was a good thing too and i think that really freshened up uh uh a lot of things around there and 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 uh, as i said before the ecw arena was a rocking place and they had that uh, incredible energy and fan base and it was, uh, uh, some kind of buzz or electricity in the, in the air. And, uh, uh, I think it was Jr. who watched it and Bruce watched it and, uh, Bruce had known Paul E. for a while anyway. And my gosh, that was, I think that's where everybody kind of caught Austin the first time and Pillman, uh, doing all that stuff. So, um, yeah, man, it just, uh, when they invaded, it was, it was kind of new and different and edgy, and pretty soon, lo and behold, it worked.
1: I actually believe they came in closer to barely legal, which is ninety-seven. So it's probably a little bit after September of ninety-six. I believe they came in more towards ninety-seven.
2: Could be wrong mm-hmm. on that. I don't
1: have to. I'll do some research. I'll figure out exactly when. I'm trying to remember, but I believe it's more towards ninety-seven. Yeah, it could be. To promote their uh, barely legal pay-per-view. And I think that'll be a, a good topic for uh, for uh, another episode as far as Bruce and Heyman, and Heyman apparently working for Vince for a little bit longer than people realized he was kind of working for Vince. Because that, that's some interesting behind-the-scenes stuff, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Your, last, your last match as Zip, apparently, is against Stone Cold Steve Austin, really before he becomes... The, the huge megastar I mean it's it's in the midst of I mean he wins the King of the Ring it's kind of being built up do you remember working with Steve Austin in '96 as Dip
2: yeah sure do uh, but I'd known Steve from working in Tennessee and Texas with him and uh, so we had the opportunity to work together and you're right this was right before he hit big and I knew I was on my way out so that was fine that was great but uh, Steve any I, I worked with Steve, and that might have actually been the only time I worked with him, come to think of it, because we, we had teamed together a couple times in Texas, but I don't believe I ever worked with him uh, besides maybe that one time on TV. And uh, he was he was always great. He always had the the look, he always had the attitude, and he always had the drive. So, uh, yeah, I, again, just like the rock, you you couldn't. I don't think anybody could s- sit there and predict the future and say he was going to be uh, one of the biggest stars ever in the business. But he did, and he knew it, which which is the only one that really matters because uh, you got to believe that you belong there, and you got to prove that you belong there. And Steve did on both accounts. He he believed it and he proved it. So, um, and he's still the same guy that he was back then. Same thing like uh, The Rock. Uh, they understood and loved the business, still have a passion for the business, and, and understand where they came from and that, their foundation and their love for the business. Because it was the generation of the Rocky Johnsons and guys like that that steve austin watched and made him want to be a wrestler that generation from the 70s uh from the guys who would go ahead and give each other hard ways or or lay it in and make you believe it and and you know in texas especially uh you got real cowboys and real ranch hands and real hard working people and they they come in they know when they're seeing a a real fight or not and You know, the guys in the 70s, Bruiser Brody, uh, again, Rocky Johnson, Harley Race, Terry Funk, Johnny Valentine, Wahoo McDaniel, Jose Lothario, my God. All these guys um, who, who, who went out there and believed they were who they were. And a great reference book is Terry Funk, because Terry will talk to you and will tell you in the book how he made himself, he could feel the pain when someone was hitting him. He he could, Johnny Valentine could feel the pain. Terry Funk could feel the pain and, and convey that, communicate that to the audience and elicit emotion, elicit this true feeling. When you watch these guys going at it, um, it, it it's, it's magic. Actually it is. And that's why one of the matches that we've, we've watched uh, is Harley Race versus Terry Funk for the NWA championship, 1977, Houston, Texas. It tells a story of body language, facials, and emotion. So uh, getting getting around to the original question was, I, I forgot the question. Stevie Austin, the last match that, versus that, dip that that guy sorry uh those are the kind of matches that austin watched and that's why what made him want to get in this business that's what made me want to get in this business that's what made a lot of us uh at least the old school guys want to get in the business was was guys from the who came up from the 60s and were, were big stars in the 70s in texas and uh made it believable and made it real. And that's what Austin saw. And that's what was ingrained and burned into his head is this is what gets people excited and interested. And here he comes and through his career, he's been stunning Steve Austin with the red Ric Flair robe and white boots, knee pads and, and biker shorts. And then he goes to the Hollywood blonde, Steve Austin and you know, the short jackets and the trunk trunks and the knee pads and the, the short haircut now. Then he goes to uh, WWE Is the ringmaster, and Ted DiBiase is now his mouthpiece after I've seen this guy and heard this guy cut promos in Texas and Tennessee. And uh, they've heard him on ECW, but but it takes a while, I guess, to convince somebody to let him talk. So, so then the biggest star at that time, or certainly, if not one of the, the biggest star at that time, Stone Cold Steve Austin is a bald-headed, goatee, wearing black trunks, black vest, black boots, black knee brace with two uh, or two knee braces on his knees, coming to the ring uh, and getting over not by doing a moonsault, not by doing to have a corona or a toupee, but by actually going in the ring with body language and telling people, I'm going to kick his ass, putting his head side to side, and, and port- not portraying a character, but being that character and believing that character. So when I worked with him, obviously it was right before that, but that was just waiting to come out. The Stone Cold Steve Austin had been there the whole time. And um, <laughs> there was a story where i was riding with steve and brian lee and out of the blue one day we we're talking and i i just asked brian lee what why he called himself prime time brian lee and i said what what is so prime time about brian lee and brian looked at me and said, well was like prime time Deion sanders i said okay but what mean? prime time brian lee what what is prime time brian lee so huh and then i looked at him and said Who is stunning Steve Austin? Why are you stunning? What's stunning about you? Steve Austin. So, and it was years later when he reminded me of that. And I remember the conversation. I remember the car ride. But that's, that's, those are the questions you have to ask. And and you have to figure out, who are you? And Steve went out as Stone Cold Steve Austin and was true to himself. And people bought it. People know real when they feel it. And when they see it and when they hear it. So everything about Stone Cold, he's an ass kicking redneck from Texas. <laughs> That's who he is. He likes to drink beer and it kicks some ass. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was cool to work with him, but I think that was the only time, so you
1: know, as you're saying that about Brian Lee about Steve Austin, you would have a field day with the nicknames of the wrestlers today. I mean just an absolute field day. Uh, the I've read, Architect, the Boss, yeah. I mean oh, absolutely. They called Sting the Vigilante. I mean just ridiculously bad nicknames for these guys.
0: <laughs> right.
2: That's what I'm saying. You know, it it's it's if it's real though, if you can feel it, um everybody you can get people to feel it. That's that's the art form of what you're supposed to do in professional wrestling, I feel. Um, you know, WWE says we we, we uh, put smiles on faces. Of course, of course, of course. It's the entertainment industry. It's the entertainment business. But you have to have someone who connects. You have to have, who is our Elvis presley of the 2020 era does anybody even know who Elvis Presley was is the Rolling Stones the Beatles Aerosmith I who are these um <laughs> these next uh people these next kings these next uh, money drawing um people who who were gonna come into business and, and do what Austin did. Where's your Rocks? Where's your Hunters? Where's your Shawn Michaels? Where's your John Cena's these days? You have Roman Reigns, you have Seth Rollins, uh, you have Kevin Owens. Um I get it, but but we're living in the age of uh nobody watches T V anymore. Uh everybody watches their phones, their devices and, and have to figure out who you are. So you have all these platforms, social, plaf- social media platforms and, and uh, places to get over. But my question would be, is that oversaturation? Once they've seen so much of this, they want something new of that? I don't know. Uh, you know, back when Austin got over, again, it was black boots, black knee pads, and knee braces. Black trunks, uh, black vest, and a bald head. You know, built guy, looked like he can kick ass, but he wasn't playing a part. He looked the part. He was the part. He just dialed it up as far as he could go. Uh, so you're right. I, I probably would have a feeling with this stuff because I want to know why are you the uh, engineer? <laughs> why are you? Explain this to me. Well, I'm I'm dramatic. Explain dramatic. How are mm-hmm. you dramatic? What do yep, you yep. what, what do you mean? You're using ad, adjectives that I I get it. Well, no. Well, I'm this and that. Okay. What is this? And what is that? Don't tell me this and that. Don't tell me I'm dramatic. Don't tell me. Show me. Make me feel it. Make me feel. It. You know. Make me get into it where I gotta find out what happens to you. And make me get into it where I gotta know what you're doing. And uh, not me, but necessarily a demographic. And again, uh, I don't want to take up too much time, I'm sorry, but Paul Bosch used to say, I like to fish and I like to eat strawberries. But when I go fishing, I put worms on the hook because I'm trying to catch fish. It doesn't matter what I like. Fish like worms. Same thing with wrestling. If I like to see a great scientific match... And I promote it, and I these two good guys are going to go at it, and they're going to have a great clean wrestling match at WrestleMania. And nobody shows up, then I, it's not a success. But if you give the people what they're asking for, which I think is is, is tremendous on the on the. Uh, in, Sense in the way that WWE does, if they listen to the fans these days, because you want to give your audience what they want. Otherwise, they're not going to be your audience very much longer. So, um, that's that's trying to figure that out is is uh, I think a key element in what's missing today is is who you are and how do you connect to your audience? How do you bring an audience in? How do you get people? to care about you why should they care about you and why should they invest in you you could learn and you could you could learn a lot from the people who came before you you can study what they did you can study their body language you don't have to do it exactly the way they did it you don't have to do anything but maybe one move one mannerism one thing take one element from this guy take something from that guy take two from this guy cuz he's really got your number you know but but what is it um... you have to study you have to see who came before you see what worked. see what didn't work know who you're following Figure out if somebody kind of reminds you of you. I mean, Vince has never seen um, Scarface. Vince, he doesn't watch movies. But Scott Hall went in and, and became Tony Montana, and Vince thought it was the greatest thing on earth. Scott's such an inventive guy. He's creative as hell. You know, he came up with this character all his own. Oh, sure, I did, Vince. Yeah. So... It, it's it's all in how you sell it, it's all in how you say it, it's all in how you do it, and it's all in how you believe it. So, anyway. Well, what do you think about that
1: supposedly new edict that Triple H said in an interview that oh, uh, we believe that the WWE is the star and that you won't see another Hogan or Rock or Austin? Do you think that's a huge mistake? Because the stock is down and the viewership is down. I think you may
2: need to start creating that, huge star again well i i think this if that huge star is out there and huge and that huge star lands on wwe you cannot extinguish it you can't extinguish mm. it you you can't i think that it will shine regardless and if you try to put a wet towel or a wet blanket on it it's it's going to throw it off and shine somewhere else i mean i i don't i and then is is where i think they'll realize if indeed if not and they they look it, it's a they are a smart company and and i think i do believe this if they see something is failing or at least <laughs> well if it's not working it's failing yes so if something's failing i don't think they're the kind of people who who will continue to to hit the gas, I I believe they'll take their foot off and and slow down and realize and re-strategize. And nothing's etched in stone. There's nothing that says we have to do it this way because we we have a plan. They could have a plan tonight and change it later tonight and change it again by the morning and, and at noon, it'll be just like you started out with. And by tomorrow afternoon, it'll all be changed again. So, at this time, yes, they might be down, and they might think, hmm, all right, let's catch our breath, all hands on deck, give me a strategy, tell me what we can do, what what do we have to do? So, will they make a mistake that carries them over to uh, bankruptcy? Oh, hell no. But, Will they make calculate take calculated risk and try it their way? And and when it doesn't turn out the way they hoped or thought or felt it should, then I believe they're going to try something else that they hope and feel and think will work. So I've, I've heard that before that nobody's ever going to get bigger than WWE and we're the brand. And yes, and they have a, have a great point. Um, that's why the belts are are in the shape of a W. Because that is the star, but you need you have the vehicle, but you need somebody to drive, and and you can put somebody in the driver's seat. You can put a driver in the driver's seat, but you need to put a star in the driver's seat or stars. No, ain't just one. You you you've got to have you've got to have stars and and matches and. Uh, uh, experiences for everyone, not just a certain group. You you want to try and appeal to as many people as you can appeal to. Not only is it good for business, but it's great for the guys going out there wrestling in front of a, a full house. I mean, my God, and, and great and people watching on TV. But once again, they're not watching on TV, they're watching on their phones and devices. So
1: Now, you know, you think about Hogan and Austin, the two biggest boom periods, they had those huge stars. It's one of those things. Just like, ooh, if that guy is out there, ooh, they could use him right about now.
2: Well, yeah, but but here's my my answer to that. What what guy is out there that they can they can snatch and just put in that that spot? The, what guy is out there that they can groom and put in that spot? Because it has to be someone who understands what that spot entails and what it entails to get to that spot. So um, once again, I think it's a complicated uh, scenario to find someone who is going to bring WWE back to where they uh, now I don't know about that either. I was going to say back to to where they were, but I think they want to be farther along than where they were. Uh, well,
1: those, those guys, I guess, I mean, they're not growing on trees. It's kind of hard to find a Hogan. No, a I mean, they come once in a lifetime generational kind of guys.
2: Well, while they're, while they're not growing on trees, they do know they work at independent shows and, and not, not, you're not going to find a lot of stars in independent shows, but you might find the diamond in the rough if you keep your mm-hmm. eyes open. It. And that's what WWE does. So the problem, my, my, Take on it is this. The problem is, no one. But I don't know this for a fact either. So I'm going to re- restate this. They got a lot of great coaches at the Performance Center, and I know they they emphasize selling. I know they emphasize body language. I know they emphasize these things. I know they do. But I don't. And they have every match. on the face of the earth, they can reference and look at and, and talk about and say, this is what I mean when I say sell a punch. This is what I mean when I say sell a forearm. This is what I mean when the guy takes you down. Watch how this guy sells it. Now, watch how this guy does and sells this. So... um. You you have to have someone who appreciates the old school basics and fundamentals and who gets it. I had a kid tell me just the other day, I don't watch old stuff on TV. And I said, I get that. I understand that. I don't want to watch old matches just to watch old matches. I want you to watch the mannerisms. I want you to watch the facials. I'm not saying do everything like this guy. I'm saying Watch what he does when he gets punched. He doesn't just take a flat back bump. He crumbles like he got punched in the face or he staggers back like he really got punched and he grabs his mouth in this manner. I can't show you with anyone else because no one else does this, and that's what's wrong today. No one really understands how to sell believably. Well, I can't say no one, but a lot of people don't know how to sell believably and convincingly to where people care to watch a match that may or may not be choreographed, but it doesn't look choreographed and is spontaneous and unpredictable.
1: I totally, totally agree. Now, before we I uh, mean, kind of go off on a great tangent there, but I just want to wrap up Zip just to kind of get to the doctor grade on it. What is you know thoughts on zip and the body donnas as wrestlers and workers and then the intangibles and then give us overall so three scores on the body donnas
2: so what do we got first work rate oh man um I, i'm gonna give us a, a i'll give us a six work rate now intangibles <laughs> Man, for intangibles, uh, well there were a lot of negative intangibles. There were there was I, I have to say that uh because when we got in the ring we knew what we were gonna, we knew what we were going to do. We didn't talk about it, but we knew what we were going to do. Uh so the intangibles um I'll give us a 6. And overall, I guess that would mean you guys would probably get a 6 as well. That's three
1: sixes. How about that? 666.
2: Thank you very much. I I did that on purpose. (laughs) The sign of the beast. Well, it's a sign of something. And uh, I don't know that uh, we were. (laughs) I I just know it was an era of uh, what it It was the era right before the attitude era. So there you have it. The, The new generation. Yeah, that was it. There you go. What a catchy phrase, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. So so we so Zip is dead and buried now I hear.
1: Yes, and and yes. now we don't we don't have to talk about him.
2: Although I do love to
1: Shane Douglas, I love bringing up Dean Douglas because just like you get irked with Zip, he really gets irked with
2: that. So maybe Zip, I got to keep it in my back pocket, just just in case, you know. Just yeah, idiot. yeah, yeah. But but real quick, <laughs> I, and I know I, I I won't dwell on this either. But see, it, it's it's not the irking part because it's one of those experiences uh, I I truly believe was meant to be for whatever reason. Uh, but when I when I give anybody who comes to the JPWA an example, I want to be able to reference it and, and explain why you're making a mistake. I want to explain why it's imperative for you to wear your gear until it's time to take it off and you don't go to the apron and put your crown over a uh, uh, metal pole. You get over first and you get people used to seeing your gear, seeing who you are uh before you before you start paring it down and and not letting everybody see see who you are so uh my my reference point to zip is don't be like zip if you don't like it speak up so i know now what to do and what to tell you to do
1: well said and speaking of jpwa go to prowrestlingtees.com you can get a, a JPWA shirt. You can also may get I, a Dr. Tom
2: shirt I, well. I was just going to say, I was going to interrupt you there and say, Dr. Tom also has shirts on there too. I'm sorry. Continue, John. My bad.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was going to throw that out there. And I highly suggest the Wanted Dead or Alive, the infamous Wanted Dead or Alive Dr. Tom shirt. I love that shirt. Such a cool shirt. And, and I don't know if you remember that picture very well, but you got the long flowing locks, the, the pre-zip hair. I mean, it was just perfect. He's perfect with that shirt. So definitely go to com. Check out not only JPWA, but check out Dr. Tom as well. Also, Patreon. Check him out, JPWA. They got a lot of good training tips and videos on there. You'll absolutely love that. You can check me out on Twitter, at Two Man Power Trip. You can check Dr. Tom at, at Dr. Tom Pritchard. And, Dr. Tom, you got so much kind of going on, not only on your website, com but in the booking department as
2: well. So what do you got going on as far as upcoming appearances? Well, uh, January, February, February 7th, uh, we have the Tracy Smothers uh, Benefit in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee with KFW Wrestling. And uh, you can get, find them on Facebook as well. Um, gosh, I've got, uh, <laughs> we, we, we're we're about five weeks uh, into next week. We'll start our fifth week in our first session. In uh, I, I think in March, yes, March we'll start our uh, spring session. Or April, April sixth we start our spring session, and um, I think we pretty much covered all the uh, website social media stuff. So uh check us out jprwrestlingacademy.com and if you want to email us you also have jprwrestlingacademy.com or jpr Academy at gmail.com so um that's about it john i appreciate it great
1: stuff as always and just you know keep following us and keep uh, keep on keeping on, everybody out there. And thank you for joining us for another great episode of Taking You to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. We will see you next week, folks. All- this has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash Empire. Become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at Pro Two Man Power Trip where the power lies, brother.